It's so good to have you today, here today on this very special Sunday. And this Sunday, please now let me help you a little bit, is not about money. Today is Prove Your Love Sunday. Throughout the year at Joshua Baptist Church, we never mention money. Very, very, very seldom do we ever mention it. But in the month of January, we always emphasize stewardship, not because of money. Stewardship is not a way of raising money. It's a way of raising Christians. And uh, we teach Godonomics, not economics. Because Godonomics is quite phenomenal when compared to economics. Amen? And we believe if your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. So I, I'd like to talk to you today out of the book of Second Corinthians. And I'm just going to share my heart with some of you. The visitors, we'd like to please ask you to be patient with us. We do not want to offend. But I have found that 50 some years of preaching and pastoring and evangelizing, it takes three books to worship. God's book, hymn book, and a checkbook. Amen. In the book of Corinthians, Paul has spent seven chapters. In 2 Corinthians, seven chapters teaching us how to live. And he raises us up to the third heaven, seemingly, talking about how we can have victory in Christ. And he raises us up to the third heaven for seven chapters, and then with a thump, he quits talking about living and starts talking about giving. Have you ever been to a service where you felt a thump? I thought he was going to talk about Jesus and he started talking about gold. The most sensitive nerve, someone has said, in the human anatomy is the one that runs to his wallet. Amen. So today I want to talk to you not about giving, but about a higher purpose in our giving. You see, with God, there's always seemingly a higher purpose. We only see the superficial, but God sees deep down in the spiritual. I read one time of a man in the book of Genesis by the name of Abraham. Man, what a leader he was. In fact, he was such a man of faith, God called him the father of our faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Such a tremendous individual he was that God wanted to check his water and said, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that thou lovest, Genesis chapter 22, and take him yonder a mount that I will show thee, and I want you to offer your son an offering unto me. Go yonder, 
Gather the wood, build the altar, lay your son on the altar, plunge the knife into his heart. I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, that would have been a difficult deal with me. And Abraham gathers the things together and gets his son and goes to the mountain and builds the altar and lays the wood on the altar and said, now, Isaac, get up on that altar. And Isaac laid on the altar there as Abraham raised the knife to punch deep into the heart of his son. He's going to offer his son an offering. And as Abraham brought the knife down, God stopped him and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now I know that thou fearest God. It wasn't about giving an offering. It was about what Abraham had here. A higher purpose for Abraham was to let God know he was above everything in this world. Today is not about money. Today is not about a tithing. Today is not about bragging about or gloating about what may come in. Today has a higher purpose than your money. A higher purpose. I read for you one verse. Verse 24 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. What's he talking about? I thought I'd read the rest of the book before I got you in on the first of the book. Verse 1 now of chapter Number eight. You see, I do not believe in high pressure fundraising to support a church. Uh, you will never see yard sales, cakewalks, pie suppers, and yard sales to pay the bills at Joshua Baptist Church. Although we're fortunate to have Gas wells, that's all you get is gas. You don't get any money out of them. But never in the history of this church in 33 years of its existence has any kind of finances at all ever supported this church except tithes and offerings. All other monies goes to missions and endeavors of such. The Bible said, moreover, brethren, I do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. For you visitors that are with us, I know this is very elementary, but have you ever been done to wit? Our folk get done to wit most regularly around here. 
Uh, folk look at me like a calf looking at a new gate when I say that. Preacher, would you explain to me Dunn DeWitt? It is Paul saying, churches at Corinth, I'd like to show you a glowing example of the grace of God. And it is the churches of Macedonia. I'd like to encourage you by what they're doing over in Macedonia to encourage you to do what you can do over in Corinth. It's kind of like, uh, has anybody ever watched Foghorn Leghorn? It's an educational program I've been watching for years. You'd be surprised what you'll learn in the barnyard. Someone said Foghorn Leghorn. I was walking around in the backyard one day. And he heard a commotion next door. And he looked over the fence. And unknowing to him that the next door neighbors had bought an ostrich. He never did see the ostrich. But the ostrich had laid an egg over in the backyard. And he peeked over the fence and looked at that thing. And he said, that is a Gimonelli egg. So he went over there in the backyard and rolled that egg over in his hen house. And all the ladies within the nest cackling and doing what they usually do. And the foghorn horn walked in there and, ladies, could I have your attention, please? And all the girls just perked right up and looked out the nest and laying there in the chicken house with the biggest egg you've ever seen in all your life. Foghorn said, now ladies, I am not one to complain, but I want you girls to see what's going on next door. <laughs> Done to wit. Just like to give you an example, Paul said, of what's going on to churches next door. Verse 2. The Bible says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Churches in Macedonia was going through persecution. A great famine was in the land. And yet, even though they were persecuted for their faith, they were in deep poverty. They got great joy out of giving. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. Now, I've been preaching 50 some odd years. I've never had anybody say, preacher, let's take another offering. But these folks were begging Paul to receive the offering that they had given. Verse 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Let me help you a little bit. If God don't have you, He don't need your money. He did not die on the cross for your wallet. He died on the cross for your sins. He does not love your money. He loves you. 
Amen. Our problem is we love our money more than God loves our money. God loves us and not our money. Amen. Huh? All right. For as much as we desire Titus that he would, had he had begun, so he would also finish in you this same grace also. Let's talk about the grace of giving. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and in utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love toward us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Thirty some odd years ago, I've told you over and over, I guess, but some of the visitors I'd like to share with you. Thirty some years ago, in my office just down the street where our Spanish church is now, I was sitting, I'm not sure what day of the week it was. I was having my daily devotion. I was reading my Bible. And our church was doing well. We started with nothing almost. We started with a $100 offering. We bought 25 chairs of that. My wife and I bought a 16-foot trailer. And she and I and Amanda would go to Walnut Springs. We'd buy two and a half cords of wood. We'd load on that trailer. We'd bring it back to the Metroplex. We'd sell that wood and we'd put the money in the church. That's how this church got its founded. So our church started with absolutely nothing. What you see today is not because of wisdom or man's leadership or administration. It's the power of a living God. There's nobody on this place smart enough to do what's been done in this place in 35 years. So we'll give all the glory to God. Amen. And we do not need your money. We are rich beyond all measure because heaven is our home and we're going to move into a mansion, not, not manufacturing housing, not a room, not a place, but a mansion. We're going to move into a mansion because Christ, our master builder, who was the carpenter's son, learned all the handiwork of a carpenter, moved into heaven, began to build a mansion for us. So we don't need your money. There's a higher purpose about today. And I was reading my Bible 30 some years ago and I come across this verse. Prove the sincerity of your love. And I was wondering what in the world he's talking about. Prove the sincerity of your love. I go soul winning every day. I try to be a good soul winner. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. And... Uh, I was stupid and had my wife take karate lessons, so I cannot whip my wife every day. And uh, all my kids are idiots, and I can't help that. So, Lord, what can I do? What, what's the context? What's the context? How do, I, how do I, as a simple servant of God, as a simple saved individual, how can I, how can I prove the sincerity of my love? Really? Well, the context is about giving. Context is about money. And what did God say about money? The love of money is what? Huh? Fruit of all evil. I read one time that you cannot serve God and mammon. For you'll love the one and you'll flee from the other. You'll cling to one. Huh? And you'll love the one or you'll hate the other. Now God's talking to me. I'm not talking to you. God's talking to me. 
So if the love of money is the root of all evil, and there's a temptation to serve money, and money has that terrible, terrible cling that it masters me, occupies my every thought, maybe I need to prove to God I love him more than I love this other God. I'm talking to me now, not talking to you, because until right now you don't have that problem, but I did. So 30 some years ago, God led me in my office to lead the church of thy pastor one time a year to prove to him we love him. Love him more than that other God that's always tugging at us. And that's what today is all about. There is a higher purpose. Oh, you remember that guy that took his son to the altar and laid him on the altar and raised the knife? And Abraham had all intentions of killing his son. But God didn't want him to kill the son. He just wanted to know, Abraham, how much do you love me? And when he started to plunge that knife through his son's heart, God said, whoa, we, now I know. You see, after today's service, God will know something about you. And you'll know something about yourself that you didn't know when you got here. Because today is our opportunity, church, not visitors now, church. Today is our day to prove the sincerity of our love. Amen? So what's today all about? It's not about money. It's to prove the sincerity of our love. Notice, if you would, please. God gives us two examples in the text I read for you. Two examples of love. One, the churches at Macedonia. Persecuted. In poverty. Didn't have anything to amount anything. Yet, their heart was a heart for God. And in their poverty... They gave liberal. Notice the other example, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we who are poor might become rich through his poverty. What a wonderful example of giving. Can you say amen? I know anyone, I don't know anyone who's given so much. I don't know anyone who's given so freely. Just think, where did you get where you got? What you have, where did it come from? What did you bring into this world? Ha! You was bald-headed and toothless when you got here, and you're probably going out the same way. <laughs> huh? Now, you came in in a baby buggy, you'll go out in a hearse. But you're going out the same way. You're going, you came in empty, you're going out empty. And God is so good to us, is he not? 
Hey, we could be born in one of the foreign uh, third world countries. We could be born in Africa today. Our home could be a thatch roof huff with a, a dirt floor and cooking on a campfire. No, we got automatic, 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 automatic. Can you say amen? In fact, our wives are almost automatic. I know my television is automatic. I just sit there and say, wife, would you turn the channel? Well, it broke down several years ago, so I got me a remote now. Is anybody here today? Can you say amen? amen. So I don't get puffed up, swelled up like a toad frog with a hangnade hand right off. Say, oh, all the preacher talks about down there is money. No, if you get that way, what I'm talking about is your God. Amen. And everybody gets mad when you talk about their God. Amen. So today is all about proving the sincerity of our love. Our love for Jesus, our love for the church, our love for the pastor, our love for the opportunity, our love for the lost. Let me tell you something. If we don't reach the lost, I don't know anybody that's going to. I don't know anybody. Let me give you this last, uh, last, next, the last thing. What do I do today? I prove the sincerity of our love. We got folks out of town already sent their money in. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. I just like to know our heart is right with God. So today I prove the sincerity of our love. Now let me give you this. The second thing we do today is we prove the sincerity of God's promises. Does anybody believe the book? Does anybody believe that God means it when he says he's going to bless us? How many believe and God shall supply all of your needs according to to his riches in glory. Anybody, anybody, anybody believe that? Let me show you something else. I want to show you something. I found something over in the Old Testament years ago. Let me read it for you. It says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me herewith, saith the Lord. The Lord said, if you'll just give and if you'll be honest with your money, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you cannot receive. Have you proved that? Have you, have you proved that God will keep his promise? How many believe for whosoever believeth in them should not perish but have everlasting life? You know, I was asked to go to Ohio last week and my wife and I went up there to Ohio last week. Boy, it was cold. It was cold. I'm telling you, it was cold. I was sick and my wife was sick of me being sick and sick of it being cold. So we just had a wonderful time for three days in that room looking at one another, sick and sick and sick and sick. And we had a wonderful time. And uh, they had about a thousand hunters in that place. Man, I saw deer so big and elk so big. I saw head after head after head. And uh, I preached to a thousand plus hunters at one time. And so uh, they flew me in, cost me a lot of money to flew me in. So I thought I'd dive into the Bible and give them a deep, deep, theological discourse from the Word of God impress them with my doctor's degree and so I preached on this verse for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not what perish but have what and 62 people gave their heart to Christ 62 at one time gave their heart to Christ do you believe John 3, 16? 
No, no, I mean, do you really believe John 3.16? You see, that's a promise. That's a godly promise. Do you believe John 3.16? Ah, come on. Do you believe John 3.16? How about Luke 6.38? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaken together. Right? You have to be a farmer to understand that. Press down, shaken together, running over shall men give to your bosom. You know what today's about? Today is to prove that we believe that God means what he says. That he will keep his promise. Does anybody? He said, prove me herewith, saith the Lord, if I want to open the windows of heaven. Prove me herewith, if I will not... 30-some years ago, I started preaching that. 30-some years ago, some of you folks embraced that. And you're richer today. You're healthier today. Your family's together today. All because you embraced the promises of Almighty God. He promises peace. Better peace than we can get out of a bottle. And he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah for in him is everlasting strength. Man, what a promise. Can you say amen? amen. I mean, yeah, that'd put a smile on a pillow. Can you say amen? Ha, that'd, make, that'd make a Baptist smile right in the middle of an offering. Can you say amen? Ha, that God, God will give us peace that passes all understanding. Can you say amen? Huh? There's peace in the valley when you're in the valley with the king. Can you say amen? And I'm so glad today that I embrace the promises of peace, the promise of power, and he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm glad the Holy Ghost lives in my heart. Amen? That kind of controls what I say to whom I say it. Amen? That's right. How about the promise of provisions? Hmm? My God shall supply all of your needs. Now, I've been saved 50, 50 plus years. Never been a day you hadn't taken care of me. You say, but you're an idiot. I know, but he takes care of idiots. He loves idiots, and I'm glad he loves idiots because he loved me. Amen. He takes care of us crazy folk too. What's today about? There's a higher purpose. There's a higher purpose. Don't forget this. Abraham, now I know that you feared me. Joshua Baptist Church, for 30 plus years, God knows you love him more than you love your money. God knows who your master is. That's why the bills are paid. That's why we support over 100 missionaries every single month. And we have widows who give. We have millionaires who give. We have widows who give or becoming millionaires. Not financially, but spiritually. Amen? And today is all about a higher purpose. It's about proving our love for the Lord. It's about proving our confidence in the Lord's promises. I close with this. You say, you can't close. It's not 12 yet. Oh, yeah, I can. 
today gives me an opportunity to show to my family my faith. For 30 years now, he's 30, right? You 30? Not quite. I hate youth. Don't you just hate me? <laughs> Smart mouth youth. God always has a higher purpose. I bring your attention to a young man on the backside of the desert. He's been anointed king, but he's keeping sheep. With a sling in his hand, can hit a gnat at 50 yards. Well, he's bored, so he's got nothing else to do. So he learns to play a harp. On the backside of the desert, the potential king, the man after God's own heart, seemed like a wasted life and a wasted time keeping sheep playing a harp, throwing his rock. Not much to life if there's not a higher purpose. Now why did God have David on the backside of the sheep, on the desert, keeping a bunch of dumb sheep, playing a harp, throwing rocks? Not much of a life. Unless sometime in the lifetime of David he meets a giant by the name of Goliath. And that's where David realized the higher purpose for slowing a rock. And who knows, one day David might hear that the king's spirit is disturbed. And the king of all of Israel needed somebody to soothe that spirit by playing a harp, a higher purpose. Then one day, that same shepherd boy sits down and pins, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. God has a higher purpose for all of our lives than what we see on the surface. And today is a day designed for the high purpose of proving to God and to the world we love Him more than we love money. And today, it's a wonderful opportunity to show God, yes, we do believe in your promises. And I love my kids. And my kids are my God-given responsibility to raise in the fear and the admonition of my Lord. 
And today, for 30 some years now, it's given me the opportunity to prove the sincerity of my Christian faith. I have no idea how to do that except to teach them, to guide them, and to show them that what their daddy has is real. And I've taught my children to participate He was just 11 years old with his own checking account and his own investments. And we had give it all Sunday. And I asked my 11-year-old kid, Andrew, what are you doing today for give it all Sunday? He said, Daddy, I was thinking about $150. What are you showing your kids, Daddy? How to be tight. How to depend on George instead of Jesus. Squeeze a nickel till the buffalo grunts. We need to show our kids the sincerity. If you send them to the public school, they're not teaching that down there. They're not learning that on social media. And if we don't teach our kids to love God and to trust His promises, who's going to? Well, I told you visitors, this is not for you. This is for our bunch. And look like you visitors liking it better than our bunch. (laughs) Preacher, it's not about money. It's about proving the sincerity of our love. It's about proving the sincerity of the promises of God. And it's about proving the sincerity of our Christian faith because without faith it is impossible to please God because they that come unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and all of God's people said Amen. Amen Parents, whatever you do, teach your kids. Show your kids. Lead your kids. Love your kids. And let me love your kids. You see, today has a higher purpose than money. You know what we're going to do with the money that comes in? Spend it. You know how long it take us to spend it? Monday. 
You're welcome. I would buy a good coon dog, but I can't walk anymore. So we'll just put it into people and win people to Christ for the glory of God. Amen. And don't get mad and go away and say, all they talk about down there is money. Come back next week and I'll show you different. Father, today we love you and we actually, actually want to praise you honestly. We want to exalt you. And that's what today's all about. And Father, should we preach 10,000 sermons about grace and about love, if we do not incorporate how much Jesus loved us, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved, and that through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Lord, today, thank you for the grace, the gift of your own precious son to die in our place on Calvary's tree. And Lord, if there's one here today who's never been saved, what a wonderful gift today it would be for them to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, for our visitors that's here today, I pray that you'd please help them to understand the motivation and the reason behind a particular day called Prove Your Love Sunday. And Lord, it's not about an offering. It's about an offering you gave 2,000 years ago on Calvary's mountain. Now, Lord, I pray you'd bless. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And today I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. If you've been saved and you know you've saved and heaven is your home and you're not ashamed of it while no one is looking on, I wonder if you'd just slip your hand up and with a raised hand say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making me whole. You may let your hands down. All over America, I preach. And I have folk testify the fact that they were saved by raising their hand. Also, if there's some doubt, I wonder today if you'd allow me to pray for you. If you do not know deep in your heart that if you were to die right this very moment, the most important thing today is not the offering. The most important thing today is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you received his pardon? Abundant pardon, Isaiah said. You might say, preacher, I'm not sure that if I died right now, heaven would be my home. I'd just like to be honest. And I would like for you to pray for me when you pray a minute, in a minute or so. I'll not mention your name. I'll not come to you. No one will embarrass you. The Bible said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. I wonder if you're just, if you're not sure you're a Christian, not sure heaven would be your home today. Would you just slip your hand up while no one is looking and allow me to pray for you. Allow me to go into the presence of God in your behalf. Is there one? Anyone here like that? Anyone? Will not carry along. I know many of you are having economic situations, illnesses, accidents, 
everything in the world seems to hit about this time. Is there anybody here today who might say, Preacher, I've got something I'd like for you to pray about. No one's looking. If you just have a prayer request, you'd like to slip it up, just slip your hand up. Just, Preacher, I have something. Blood hands all over the auditorium. God bless your heart. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes. All right. Now look this way just a minute. Last night we had prayer meeting at our church. I don't know how many folks we had. Somewhere under 500 was here. You did catch that, didn't you? Just under 500 were here last night praying. We didn't come to preach. We didn't come to sing. We came to pray. And uh, my wife and I was praying right over there. Pretty soon, my wife and I and Brother Thomas was praying right over there. Pretty soon, my wife and I was listening, and Thomas was praying. I guess he was praying. I don't know what he was saying, but he was sure an introduction right here. Was my son and his family praying? Over here was my son-in-law and his son praying. The family was sick. What a beautiful thing it was for our folk to meet and pray for one another. Amen. Miss Mary had to go home a little while ago with a pain in her back uh, around her heart area. Man, we need to pray for one another. Amen. Amen. We need to be conscientious about folk hurting in our church, praying for one another. 